Des Moines. Live from the Wild Rose Casino and Resort Jefferson Studios, you'd rather be here. This is 1460 KXNO. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back. Hour number two, Miller and Condon take you until noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO still to come this hour. Alex Halstead, CycloneAlert.com, part of 24-7 Sports. Get the latest from Alex. I know John Haycock met the media yesterday. Um, I'm assuming we've had Manning, and I know that for sure we had the uh, Matt Campbell teleconference, mm-hmm. or press conference, rather. So we'll get the latest from Alex, and then do likewise for Mark Morehouse. He covers the Hawkeyes uh, for the Cedar Rapids Gazette. You and I, Trent Condon are on the road tomorrow, as is the morning rush. It's the What Color Do You Bleed Blood Drive. Uh, Life Serve Blood Center is behind that, and we're going to be broadcasting live from Principal Park. It's a, a very, it's a great cause, Blood Drive. And Daniel West is going to join the program. In fact, she's with us right now to give us a little bit more on the 411. Danielle, along with uh, Trent Condon, my name's Ken Miller. Thanks for coming on and uh, and helping us out with this. How are you? Thanks for having us. We're excited for tomorrow. Well, I bet you are. And I think, as, as I uh, speak for everybody here, we're, we're the same way. So uh, what's behind it? I love the name of it. Of course, it's, it's Rivalry Week. What color do you bleed? Uh, and where will we be tomorrow? Absolutely. So we are going to be out at Principal Park. We'll have our mobile blood mobiles out there from 6 a.m. to noon. So we'll start at 6 a.m., take donors till noon. It's walk-in only, so no need for an appointment. People can stop by, donate, get a What Color Do You Bleed shirt, meet your team. We'll have tailgate games, some food. So it's just going to be a fun day. It is going to be a fun day. Danielle, with that I haven't given blood in maybe decades. I think high school might have been the last time that that I've done it. So you're going to pump the blood out of me. It's been a long time, though. So anything I need to prep for, do I need to maybe drink a little extra water, something else to get ready for it? So because it's been a long time for me. Great question. Yes. So we encourage people to drink a lot of water and eat a good meal before they come in and donate. Normally the process is 45 minutes to an hour from start to finish, but really you're only in the chair doing that donation for five to 10 minutes. So that's really the smallest portion of your donation is that. Then you'll get the t-shirt and some goodies at the end as well. Hmm. How many people do you hope stop by tomorrow, Danielle? What's, uh, I guess, what's your target? What would you like to see in a perfect world absolutely you know we would love to see 70 80 people come by between the blood drive that would be fantastic or more you know we're always hoping for more and reaching for the moon especially this time of year we're still trying to boost the blood supply back up after the labor day holiday Mm. we're definitely still feeling that pinch um, and want to make sure that we have blood on the shelf for our local hospital so that would be our goal but we would love to see even more than that as well you know you mentioned the process takes about 45 minutes to an hour how many i guess would you call them stations how many stations do you have guys will you set up at the uh, mobile blood bank so with both of our buses we have five beds on each bus and then we turn those around like i said you're really only in the chair for five to ten minutes so we turn those around pretty frequently we can fit um really up to seven or eight donors on each bus at a time and move them through super quick so 
donors will definitely get in and out within that 45-minute hour time frame. We're bringing extra staff knowing that it's going to be a busy day. I think we have a lot of Cyclone Hawkeye fans that want to show their support leading into this weekend. Going to be a great event, no doubt. You mentioned replenishing the different hospitals and different things around around the area here. Do you have an estimate around central Iowa how much blood is needed to get through maybe a calendar year? We say that we would love to see around 200,000 donors a year to be able to support all of our local hospitals. So we support around 120 hospitals, and that's really in the tri-state area. So that's including parts of Nebraska and South Dakota as well. But we're the only supplier of their blood products. So they're only getting their blood products from us, and we're the only one providing it. Ideally, we get around 200,000 donors a year to be able to support them. And then really, depending on the week, month, their need could go up or down. The summer is usually higher, that they need more blood because of traumas and things like that that are occurring. You know, people are out and about. So we definitely felt that this summer we're trying to make up for that as well, um, leading into the winter months, too, where it, again, spikes. Mm. Last question for me. So what happens? So Trent's going to give blood tomorrow. uh, And then what happens next? What happens to that bag of blood that Trent is going to donate tomorrow? So take it from there and then, you know, to it gets to one of the destinations like a hospital. Absolutely. So the way the donation process works is you will come in and register. You just need some sort of identification. We get you registered. We do a mini physical is what we call it, where we check your blood pressure, pulse, hemoglobin. You have your donation, have snacks at the end. Then we take those units donated back to our lab here in the East Village. So we have a full service 24-7 lab here that we do 15 different tests on every single unit of blood. So every unit of blood gets all 15 tests done on them. We also break up those donations. So if you do a pint of donation, um, which is really our standard donation, we break that up into red cells, platelets, and plasma, which is why we say your donation will truly impact three different lives Mm. because those will go to three different patients. We do all of that in our lab create all of the units that are ready to go to the hospitals, make sure that it passes all of our tests. And then we have drivers that are constantly driving throughout the state, taking those products in and out of the hospitals. I think I know where you are in the East Village. You're right. Doesn't there a Budweiser bar that you share a parking lot with? <laughs> we do. We share yeah. it with Beechwood. <laughs> That's what it is. And right across the street for a while there, there was a breakfast place a few years ago that was just outstanding. Yeah, no so longer... we're right across like from Scenic Route, yeah. Luca, Jimmy John. We have the biggest parking lot. Our yes, donors do. can park here for free. Um, and this is where our full-service lab is as well. And even non-donors kind of sneak in there from time to time. I know. Gu- no. Guilty. <laughs> but I just made up for it today for you allowing me to right, park there. exactly. Danielle, we'll see you tomorrow. Uh, what color do you bleed? Blood drive gets underway. It's uh, from 6 until noon. It's at Principal Park. Process takes about 45 minutes. You're in the chair no longer than 5 to 10 minutes. Uh, and it's obviously for a very great cause. Danielle, we'll see you tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you so much. Good to talk to you. Danielle West, uh, she joins the program. Trent, and you're going to donate? Oh, of course. Good yeah, got to do it. Going to be out there? You're not? I don't... Mm. What, are you nervous? Yeah. <laughs> what? Think you got something in the blood they don't want? I got a date tomorrow at 12.15. Oh, you do? I have to pick up Stella. Oh, I thought you met with your wife. No, no, Stella. <laughs> Take her to lunch? No, no, no. It's been a busy week. We had Cyhawk week. You know what? 
Saturday and Sunday are going to be. Well, I hope they're going to be full-blown football, but I'm scared more as we get closer to Saturday and we're getting no news on this snafu with DirecTV and ESPN. So what's your game plan? I mean, you want to I've already looked at the slate of games that I'm going to watch without ESPN. Okay. It's not as shiny as normal. But I'm speaking of game day. You want to see game day. You well, gotta, it, yeah. you got to figure something out. Well, go to the father-in-law's. He's no, got dish, I'm not, right? I'm not going. I'm not leaving the house. I'm going to leave the house and go for my walk, and that'll be it. And then I'll just follow it on Twitter, I guess. Well, you know what? You well, can here's do. the other thing because I do love the Fox show. Urban Meyer is a star. I hope he. And those numbers have gone up. Big numbers. The people first are couple watching. Of weeks. I'm telling you, Urban Meyer is terrific on TV. I know people hate him. Yes. I get why they don't. I mean, the Florida thing, the Ohio State stuff, all the the assistant coach stuff. I get it. I get it. But on TV. You learn stuff from him. He's a really good listen. And if this deal doesn't get done with DirecTV and ESPN and Disney Company, you know what you can do? Just flip on your radio, listen to 1460 KXNO. Great point. Because there's the pregame show with Emery and Sean will be down there from 8 until noon. And at various points, I guess all of the KXNO talkers will participate. Yeah, I believe so. I'll be there for about an hour. You and I are going to do a hit yep. talking about the history of this point spread in mm-hmm. Iowa State. A little bit more, give our thoughts on that one. Should be a fun time, and I've already talked to a couple of bars that are dreading this. They said they're going to flip on the pregame show on KXNO from 8 till noon. If they don't get game if day. If they don't have game day on. Well, they got to have a backup plan, right? Yes. It's going to work, isn't it? I hope so. I do, too. Uh, Alex Halstead on Iowa State. He's coming up next. Mark Morehouse about 1135. We'll talk Cyclones and Hawkeyes when Miller and Condon continues. Approaching 15 minutes after the hour of 11 on Des Moines Sports Station, 146. Match limited by state law. This is Iowa State Athletics Director Jamie Pollard, and you're listening to Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Just about 20 minutes past the hour of 11. Alex Halstead momentarily. Uh, let's get Mark in here. Mark wants to join the program. Mark, uh, Miller and Condon, thanks for being patient. Mark, how are you? I'm doing fine, and thank you for fitting in uh, my call. I know you got someone coming up. Try to make this quick. I'm pretty excited about the game on Saturday, but I am so tired of hearing the KXNO promo saying this is the most anticipated sideout <laughs> game ever. <laughs> I mean, 1977, and I know I'm an old fart. You and me both, my friend. <laughs> not, nothing. It, it's not even close to that. Yeah. It's not even close. So help me out with 77, because I wasn't here yet, and I was just getting well, out of high school. So obviously, um, we know the series is back. Uh, take us back to, uh, to those days. Well, around 1975, there was a lot of agitation to get the series going again. I think it had ended in 34. It had, yep. Fighting. And, and while it's not true that any law requires it, there was some legislative activity, at least, a conversation going on. Mm-hmm. So somehow the schools got together and started doing it. I think the gripe, I think Iowa never wanted to play Iowa State at Ames, as I remember it. But anyways, uh, so two years before, so it gets scheduled. And, you know, back in the day when not all that many games were on TV, that game was on ABC. Was it really? Regional, but yes, now it was regional. Yeah. It was Parsesian and... I don't know who would have been the play-by-play with Parsegian. Was it already must uh, in '77? No, uh, what's his face? Uh, uh, the legend. Uh, oh, Keith Jackson. No, before that, even. Uh, wow, you got me. Oh, mm. le- le- no, shoot, he's famous. Um, anyway, uh, I can't come up with it. He called Johnny Rogers run in '71. Mm, gotcha. And, and thanks anyways. for saying shoot, by the way. 
<laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, I'm painting my garage. I probably inhaled a lot of fumes <laughs> at this point. But anyways, Hawks won 12 to 10. Yeah. John Lazar had touchdown. Uh, Iowa State had to beat Iowa jerseys come out on the second half. That was the um, year. Okay. I think so. I think I'm right about that. It, it might have been a later year, but I'm pretty sure they came out on the second half wearing beat Iowa. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there was, you know, commemorative Pepsi bottles with the game. and I've seen some at the Brass just, Armadillo. <laughs> oh, is that right? Yeah, I have, yeah. Yeah. So I'm fired up, and I think this is probably the most anticipated game since then, I would guess. It's a big deal and, and really big deal the game days. Sure. Are. But it's not comparable to 77. Well, Mark, thank you for taking us uh, taking a trip down memory lane with us. Appreciate it. Good luck with the paint in your garage and uh, and appreciate you listening, okay? Thank you very much. Yeah, good to talk to you. Uh, let's move on. I can't think of who he means, Trent. I'm trying to think of the same thing and, and looking back, and I'm Googling, too, to see if it popped up. Nothing came up yeah, there. I'm still in Canada, and we didn't get a lot of college no. football. Anyways, uh, Alex Halstead joins the program. CycloneAlert.com. Boy, you get FaceTime on Cyclone Fanatics videos. you got the perfect spot <laughs> to stand uh, by these coaches. You know where the camera is, don't you, Alex? I actually tried to avoid it normally. <laughs> Yesterday, I realized that I was right in the line of sight, but most weeks I try to stand on the same side as the camera so I can avoid that, but... Some weeks, I guess, you just can't get out of the way. No, you know, and I, I love these things, uh, especially when it's the coordinators. And no offense to Campbell and Ference or any other head coach I've listened to, but you seem to, at least I do, uh, the coordinators kind of peel back more layers, right? It, they're teaching you football when they're talking to you. And Haycock yesterday, I thought he was terrific. It was a really good interview. And, you know, over the years, uh, Norm Parker, Phil Parker, just are so such great listens. Um, John Haycock's one of them as well. What did you take away from his press conference yesterday talking about his defense and how they're going to try and combat Iowa's offense? Yeah, you're right. First of all, with the coordinator, sometimes you do get little bits and pieces that are more inside the game um, than maybe you will from a head coach's press conference. And sometimes they will still couch things. I think we saw that a little bit from Manning yesterday. There's certain things he's not really ready to talk about, especially the offensive line and what they might do there. But, you know, Haycock I thought was really interesting. The one thing uh, that kind of was, I guess, funny but also interesting is uh, he's, I asked him about the play action and, you know, how Iowa is going to try to use that run game to set up the play action and how difficult that is for, for the Iowa State's defense. And, you know, he said that back in 1988, uh, he remembers Bo Schembechler uh, saying, you know, when he when he, uh, he was at Michigan, Haycock was a uh, graduate assistant at Michigan, um, and Hayden Fry was at Iowa, and he said that, yes. you know, a lot their their runs look like passes and their mm-hmm. passes look like runs. And he said it's still the same thing. I thought that was a great know, answer. Later. And so, yeah, I thought that was a really good answer. And I think that's kind of one of the most difficult things for this Iowa State defense is, you know, really reading things and, and not getting caught off guard. And I think that's where maybe their biggest key starts is defending that run or slowing that run because when Iowa gets the run game going, it, it draws in those um, defensive backs, and that's when they use that play action. So uh, I thought he had a lot of interesting insight, and that was one of them. We saw a year ago Mike Rose just burst onto the scene. I mean, he, from the get-go, he was a guy that looked different. Now he's moving outside, playing a different position. I don't think that's going to be a big impact for him, but also allows Orion Vance to come in and help with that linebacking crew. What did you see Mike Rose week one out and some of the changes for him learning a new defensive position? 
Yeah, the biggest thing for Mike Rose in, in switching is just playing out in space. He plays to the field side instead of obviously the middle, and so there's a lot more space out there for him to cover. Um, he seemed to do well with it against Northern Iowa. You know, three and a half tackles for a boss. Uh, he's, he seemed to fly to the ball. Um, you know, but it's still kind of a work in progress. This is something I asked Rose, you know, when did this kind of come about? And he said that kind of as fall camp went along, they, they threw him there a couple times in seven-on-sevens just to see what he looked like. And it sounds like really what happened is as the weeks went on in fall camp, Orion Vance was so good that they started trying to figure out ways to play him and Rose, and, and that's kind of what put Rose out to Sam. So um, I still think he's obviously new to the position. That's his first game ever there. Uh, he's still going to play some Mike linebacker. You know, when Vance comes off the field, you know, you might see Rose in the middle, and then they bring in Will McDonald or Chandler Pulvermacher or something like that. Uh, but this sounds like what they're going to stick with for the time being, and uh, I think so far good, good games for both of those guys. Uh, they seem really pleased with what Vance did as well. Alex Halstead is our guest. Alex, one of the other things I took away from the uh, uh, the press conference you were part of yesterday with Haycock is he kind of downplayed Braxton Lewis's availability. Campbell earlier in the week, I mean, he didn't come out and say he's playing, uh, but uh, you know, a day later, it seemed like you know Braxton Lewis was maybe more questionable than was led on. So you, would you be surprised if he is playing after what you heard yesterday? Yeah, that, that's something that also stood out to me you know monday campbell said that he expects braxton lewis to play uh yesterday wednesday obviously you know haycock says you know he's still coming along they're still working through those things so it sounded a lot less than you know one day i would have probably if you had an nfl chart put him as probable now you know i was guessing it'd have to be questionable based on what haycock said now um you know i think sometimes these assistants don't want they want to make sure they're on the same page with the head coach they might not know what campbell's saying and so they don't want to come out and say he's playing because they don't know if Campbell said that. So sometimes there can be mixed signals with how many coaches there are. But, uh, yeah, that was one thing that stood out to me because I think Lewis is a big piece to this. You know, Bickham, I think, made some plays. There were some missed tackles. I think there were learning moments, certainly in his first game ever at the safety position. But I think everybody would agree that having Braxton Lewis, your 13-game starter from last season, uh, could pay big dividends in this game. And I think it's important to have him. But he sounded a lot more questionable than he did on Monday. But we'll see. I guess, on Saturday uh, pregame. So they're going to take the governor off of Brock Purdy. I, I read your article talking <laughs> about that. and He's got he's got people in class asking what's going on. Is he yep. hurt? What's happening there? Brock Purdy, maybe a little bit more outside the pocket this week. Yeah, so, you know, obviously the opener, he didn't run a, run the ball. He did run once, nine-yard touchdown run, but it, it, it's unofficial because it didn't count. Uh, but he didn't run the ball, and I think I had someone during the game tweet at me and say, they asked Campbell after the game uh, if he's hurt. And apparently people around campus are asking him how he's doing too. He said that people asking him if he was fine, and he said, yeah, I'm, I'm all right. And uh, he said people back home have asked him too. But I think this is this is going to be really interesting to see how it unfolds the next couple of weeks because I don't know if we can read everything into one game. You know, he didn't run the ball. And obviously last year we saw him run, you know, 79 times, I think, for 432 yards when he adjusted for the 21 sacks that he took. So – he ran the ball a lot last year. He was our second-leading rusher, um, and I think people expect that to be a big part of his game. We didn't see it in the first game, but I think we have to give it a few more games. Iowa, Louisiana, Monroe, maybe into Baylor to see what this is going to look like. Um, you know, Tom Manning said yesterday, uh, not talking about his run game, but he said he didn't feel like he always put Purdy in the best situations in that game to make the best decision. Um, so he kind of put some of that on himself as well. So I think there's a lot of learning in that game. I think one thing I actually kind of thought back on today that I hadn't really thought about a lot in the last couple of weeks is, you know, that was Tom Manning's first game handling Brock Purdy as well. Mm, yeah. I think we forget that you know he came back as offensive coordinator. And so I think he probably learned a lot about that first game 
uh, with his new quarterback as well. Uh, interesting point. Uh, Alex Halstead, CycloneAlert.com. Well, uh, the other injury, uh, the other news injury-wise was Colin Newell, and I guess he's trying everything he can to be able to play in this game. This isn't how Campbell put it, but it's alleged or it's close enough. There was a bunch of boxes that needed to be checked in order for him to get on the field. Some of those boxes were still blank. Uh, is he close? What do you, well, who's going to play center, I guess, on Saturday? I don't think Newell will play. Um, I think they, they want to do everything they can, but I think they also realize this is a, a long season. Um, and so I think right now I would probably lean towards Newell not playing. Uh, they've got some different options there. You know, you look at Julian Good-Jones, and he started all 13 games in 2017. I don't see that. You know, I don't think they're going to move someone off left tackle. Um, that I think in this game you really need to have the guy that's been cemented there now for the last right. year plus, you know, against A.J. Epinesa and what they'll do. So I don't think that's going to happen. Trevor Downing is a guy that, you know, Matt Campbell said can play guard or center. I think, uh, you know, that's something I know they've given looks, but I actually think he's probably going to be better for that guard. Uh, the name that's kind of, you know, had some rumblings lately that I've heard they've actually tried as well is Colin Olsen, their left guard. So I think it's possible that you could see someone like that, and then if that happens, then obviously you have to put uh, Downing. Downing at guard. Yeah. So so there's a lot of things, and Matt, or Tom Manning said that yesterday, that the biggest thing is if you move somebody, then that creates a domino effect. And so that's something they're still sorting out, you know, through these last few days is if you move somebody, how does that affect the rest of the line? And so that's probably been the biggest challenge for them this week. Tons of hype around this game. There always is. But with game day there, I know you said you're going to be heading uh, to Ames again tomorrow and getting some work done there and talking to a few different people going around when you were up at Ames earlier this week. It just it feels different. How big of a distraction do you think this is for the football team? I actually don't think it's a distraction for the team. I think it's hard to say that they, they're completely oblivious to it. I mean, any kid that's, you know, 18 to 22 or whatever, you know, as Matt Campbell likes to say, they those kids, are, I mean, they're on social media and stuff. They're seeing all the hype and stuff. But I actually do think Campbell does a pretty good job of keeping them shielded. And I don't know if it's even truly cliche because, you know, you talked to um, Josh Kniffle, and he made a good point this week, uh, the right guard. He says, you know, they're not going to see who who's – uh, mascot head Corso puts on. They're not going to be out there. He's like, you know, they're not even going to probably see it on TV. So for them, it's not really something that they're going to be involved with at all. He said, you know, for the fans, it's, it's going to be big and it's there's a lot of excitement around that. But he, they, the players just don't feel like they're really involved in it at all. And I think Campbell's, you know, kind of preached that message, you know, from the beginning of the week. I think Gray Lima was talking to some reporters and, and said that uh, he didn't. He didn't really know what game day was until yeah. they announced it. So right. I think some of these, I think most players probably do know what it, what it is. But you know, I just don't think that it's going to play that big of a role, at, at least as much as maybe some people think. Because I think these players just really aren't that heavily involved. You know, maybe if someone like Brock Purdy has to do a sit down interview with Herb Street, you know, obviously he gets a little bit involved in it. But uh, for the most part, I just don't think the, the players are that involved. Uh, Joe Skates was a guy we heard a lot about in the month of August. Uh, didn't catch a pass. Tariq Milton only got a couple. Of course, Deshante Jones stole the show, uh, receiving wise against you and I. What about those two? What about Milton and Skates uh, out of that X receiver position? Will they be more involved in this game plan, do you think? Yeah, I think I was talking to, to somebody this week about, you know, spreading the ball around a little bit more. And those are the two names that come up are Skates and Milton. I think that's what's going to be most interesting. You know, we saw Skates out there in week one. He was not targeted. We saw Milton out, out there, obviously, you know, the starter, and he was targeted four times. And so that, that's just not very many. I think a lot of it was, you know, the, the thing we keep hearing is that, you know, you and I dropped eight and, and Iowa State took what they gave them. And 
a lot of their checkdowns obviously involved guys like Deshante Jones and and you know those running backs and whatnot. So that played a role into it a little bit. But I think you've got to expect them to take more shots. You know, Cam or Manning said that there's. Uh, I think the word he used was maneuvering to try to figure out how to get different guys' balls. So um, I think Skates and Milton are probably the two guys to watch this week that maybe we didn't see much in week one, uh, but could probably see a lot more involved this week. Alex Halstead, CycloneAlert.com. Alex, thank you as always. We uh, look forward to catching up with you next week, okay? Okay, sounds good. Enjoy the game. Yep, indeed. Thank you. Alex Halstead, CycloneAlert.com. To our earlier caller here this segment. I've got an answer, too. Lin, had a caller call in. Yes, I had a text come in. Lindsay Nelson? That's a good one. That's not the one I got. Okay. And I think I'm going to go with mine. Lindsay ne- Chris Schenkel was the name I got. Oh, that. I think Chris Schenkel. That rings a bell. But like, was I've he he was a was he the bowling guy? Oh yeah. He did it all. Schenkel was I remember yeah. was what's the bowler's name? Earl Anthony the is he, <laughs> Was it? I think I I know Earl Anthony Jr. I think the old man was a lefty. You know, bowling was big on ABC, I think. I watched a lot of bowling with Grandpa back in the day. I watched Before a lot football of, got yeah. on, yes. Chris Schenkel. Um, Lindsey Nelson's good and certainly could be the right answer. Um, but my buddy Leon Emmons, Mr. Executive, who's I think older than me, and in fact, I know he is, um, I might lean to Chris Schenkel on this one, but a good, good one. Who preceded Keith Jackson? That's who Mark that Mark just called back in. That's who he And what he did was, he say? Was he Chris Shankle? That's what the name he was trying to pull out. Chris Shankle, yeah. So thank you, Mark, for calling back in and thank you, Leon. Uh Chris Shankle. Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't know if the dude's still alive or not. I'd be surprised. Yeah. Hmm. Anyways, uh, Mark Morehouse is live and well. Yes, he He's going to be live on this radio show in five minutes as we continue. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. From the 10, Mike Brady is left. High formation. Lazar, touchdown, and Great block by Mike Mayer, number 60, the offensive left guard, and Lazar goes in for the Hawkeyes. I have no idea, Trent. I'm more confused after finally finally finding the highlight. That was 1977 ABC, the renewal of the rivalry, Iowa-Iowa State. I had a caller there during the break that said Keith Jackson. That's not Keith Jackson. Didn't sound like Keith Jackson, certainly. I had a Kurt Gowdy come in during a break, and yeah. that's not Kurt Gowdy. It's a name from the past. Maybe that was Lindsey Nelson, because I don't remember his voice, and because of that... See, I think I remember his voice. Okay. Now we're more confused. Maybe I'm more confused. Mark Morehouse remembers the game, 1977. Trent, I was getting... I graduated high school in 1977. I was thinking of three. Yeah, exactly. Mark Morehouse joins the program. Hello, Mark Morehouse. How are you? Great, guys. I think Chris Schenkel. There you go. Another Schenkel vote. Did that sound like what you remember Schenkel sounding like, Mark? Yeah, but I'll bet it wasn't him, but it sounds <laughs> like him. But uh, I, I want to, for some reason, I, I have a memory that it, there was a local broadcast of the game. And, but, but uh, it's a long time ago now. And, uh, uh, but I, I would guess it was a network guy just from that sound, Chris Schenkel, and 
he might not have been there, maybe. I don't know. Oh, I never thought about that angle. Mark, uh, the caller who started this conversation, called back in. He said, and is also painting his garage, he said he'll throw black ink all over his garage if that wasn't Chris Schenkel. There you go. Chris Schenkel wins it then. <laughs> Good enough for moi. Uh, Mark, we're going to get into the game just uh, just a second. But you know it starts today, don't you? I, I know you do. I mean, training camps are opening well, across. Well, well, what are you doing <laughs> I know I there? can't do that today, but Mark appreciate How excited are you? Uh, I and one I already paid for my uh, Directv Center right. So Ditto. I pay for it in one bill. I, I don't like to have it thrown out over four months. It is the best deal in television. Indeed, it is. I cannot wait. Uh, anyways, I'm also looking forward to Saturday. Is most are Mark. If you could watch one matchup, mano a mano, is it Linderbaum Lima for you? That's going to be one I think that goes a long way in deciding the game. I, I would love to have something really clever and uh, uh, kind of maybe obscure, but no. Um, just go to the meat potatoes. Yeah, I think that, that, that matchup is going to have a big effect on the game. Um, Iowa runs a lot of inside zone. What kills that is uh, penetration, and that's Ray Lehman's middle name. <laughs> so, I, I think uh, that, and then I would go to uh, number eight, uh, uh, Jones. For Iowa State. Jones. Deshante Jones. Yep. I really liked him last week. I would go with him against, uh, oh, whichever corner that might not be Matt Hankins, I think is where we're at with right. Iowa and the health of its secondary. Uh, I would say Kirk this week was less than direct when asked about Matt Hankins. Yeah, and then last night again kind of backed that up. Yeah. I don't think he's going to play, Mark. So, you know, that's clearly one of the big concerns, right? I mean, it's a, there's a depth issue uh, all of a sudden for this game at cornerback for Iowa. Yeah, uh, and if you look at it, um, if Matt Hankins isn't able to go, so if he is able to go, that's their number one and number two corners are out there, and that's, that's obviously good for Iowa. Um, if they're not, well, the guy who's going in, no matter what, will be Iowa's fourth corner, either D.J. Johnson or Terry Robert, uh, because the number, corners number three and I guess it'd be his fifth corner, uh, corners number three and four, uh, they're out. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Julius Brents is out with the injury. Riley Moss out with the injury. So you're down to your fourth corner already, or I guess fifth corner already, and uh, that's not good. And then you, in free safety, uh, Jack Jack Kerner's Cor- Cor- in Kerner, there. yep. And uh, so you're down to what uh, your third, your third or fourth safety, and your fourth or fifth corner, and uh, that you don't want that against Iowa State. And I think one thing with Purdy last week, uh, or against uh, uh, you and I, really wanted to go deep. You and I would not let him, and uh, I think he got a little frustrated, but he managed the game so really well, uh, just really well last week or two weeks ago. And that's to me, uh, that that's the Iowa's weakness right now is the secondary. As for Iowa State, I think can get them. Mark, uh, with that. We've not seen much of the cash, the four-two-five look completely off the table. Hankins isn't able to play. I mean, just kind of scrap it and a little bit scary with the slot receiver that Iowa State has over there with Deshante Jones. Yeah, I don't see Iowa going any deeper in its secondary with uh, cash, but just because the guy who was playing cash, uh, DJ Johnson, retro freshman. Fairly new at the job. Well, he'll probably get promoted to corner this week if uh, Hankins mm. is out. So that's a big deal. So that does limit their what they want to be or what they want to do. But that's really kind of what I was been. So they default to four three and uh, base coverage. But that that is who they are, and that's what they practice mostly. Um, 
I still think that's the opening for Iowa State. And for Iowa, I think the opening uh, against Iowa State's defense is, is, get, is pass protection, which I think Iowa is terrific at. Uh, and then wide receivers, which I think Iowa has made into a strength this year. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. There's a lot of depth in that room. You know what I saw against Rutgers, Mark? Maybe I don't believe I saw, and correct me if I'm wrong, against Miami of Ohio. They did more stuff with A.J. Epinesa. I mean, when uh, when they were pulling stunts with him and he's coming through the A-gap uncontested, I can't imagine the fear in a quarterback's eyes as he sees 94 bearing down on him. Uh, but they did more with him last week, Mark. Do you expect to see more of that this week? It, I think it'll be te- they'll probably test and see can he beat his tackle cleanly. Um, so they'll probably be a little bit of a test case, but I think they definitely will move him. Um, you know, I talked about moving around the line, line of scrimmage pre-snap after the first game. Uh, the post-snap's fine too. That seems to work. You picked up on that, Ken. He uh, when he twists around the a gap, uh, the offensive line is left in the dust, and he's free coming up the middle. That'll blow up nine out of ten plays. Um, and one thing with this game, you know, didn't see Purdy. And I think Purdy was maybe throttled down a little bit against you and I. Uh, Iowa State seemed to be totally content to let his defense keep Iowa State in that game. And then uh, I think to kind of keep it close and just rely on that to win. It felt like Purdy wanted to run around a little more, but he maybe was told don't do that in this in that game. Um, if he does run, and that's one, that's one factor that I – you know, talked about with Iowa defensive players this week. Uh, they're treating him like a runner, and they're going to put a hit on him. And that's, that's going to be a big thing. If, if Purdy's going to turn it into a run, talk to uh, Ojibudia into uh, uh, Nick Neiman. Yeah, they're going to tackle him with, uh, with abandon because, you know, it's the quarterback. One thing I'm, I'm wondering about here, Iowa State and what Heacock has done defensively with that unit. The Patriots have stolen what he did against these spread looks and, and teams going that direction. But with the running back group and three guys that – I think you feel pretty good about. We saw a little bit of Ivory Kelly Martin throw a fourth guy in there now, but blitz pickup and the different directions that Iowa State is going to be bringing pressure. Is Makai Sergeant eight? Is he the best guy at picking up blitzes out of that running back group? And if he is, do they rely even more on him this week because of just that? Well, I think he and Torn kind of have that superpower. Um, Sergeant doesn't have the size that uh, Torn Young has, but. Oh, he really can set himself and take on a linebacker who's got some momentum going into him. He's it is definitely a strength for Mackay, uh, but I think Torn's good at it too. I mean, he's two hundred twenty-five pounds, so uh, I think they can hold up there. And I think with both of those guys, yeah, you have to be aware of the different skill sets. I mean, obviously, uh, if, if Mackay can hold his own in, in pass protection, he's going to get a chance to go out in the flat. He's going to get a chance to maybe uh, match up with a linebacker in a in a uh, out in pattern. So he has that strength. And then with Torin, uh, and, and maybe with both guys in the field, and which has been about half a dozen plays the last two weeks, um, then you have definitely a guy who can run, you know, it's, it's showing some action and clearing out the middle. You have a guy who can run an inside zone for 25 yards up the middle. So uh, I think that's been Iowa's maybe biggest thing in the first two weeks. The runs have really looked like passes, and the passes have really looked like runs. And I think that's probably – you know, with Brian Ferentz going forward, that's going to be the strength of what he does. Is uh, so diverse or so balanced that you don't know what's coming. 
You know, it's funny you said that, Mark, because John Haycock at the media availability said the exact same thing yesterday. It's typical Iowa. Passes look like run. The runs look like passes. And he goes all the way back to when he was a grad assistant at Michigan. And he said that's what uh, Hayden Fry did. And he's, he sees very similar, uh, a lot of similarities to what they're still doing here. What about Banworth's availability? Is he going to play? Uh, I would imagine yes. I mean, I thought he was going to play last week, and uh, just all the chatter before the game and on the radio made it sound like he was going to play, and then he didn't play a snap. So they didn't need him last week. Rutgers is a train wreck, and uh, it's finding more trains to wreck, and uh, it's a bad team. So why put that guy out there if he's not ready? Um, I, I think, you know, they, they, they've developed a level of comfort, I think, rotating guys in the in on the offensive line. I think they've had to because – there's the reality that uh, Epinez, or Epinez, uh, Werfs and uh, Alaric Jackson will have a chance to play pro football next year. So you better build the depth there in the offensive line. I'm not sure they do that in this game. I think Iowa, Iowa State's uh, front seven is demands your full attention mm-hmm. with your best players. I agree. Special teams, we got to see the punter for more than a punt. And Michael Sleep Dalton looked pretty good. Field position was flipped throughout that game. When you look at the special teams here and edge one way or the other for the Hawkeyes or Cyclones? Well, I think it's Smith Marset, and but uh, Keeney. I think that's how you say the Kinney. first name. I'm, I'm, K- Kinney, I'm sorry. Um, I think his health is trended up this week. At least mm-hmm. that's what yep. I gathered yesterday from Iowa State. Uh, so I think it kind of cancel each other out that way. I think Iowa is pretty realized now in what it wants to do in special teams. And you know, I, I know uh, uh, Lavar Woods is the special teams coordinator, but I think uh, Seth Wallace brought a lot of new ideas when he came in a few years ago. So I think I was very comfortable in its special teams play. I would give a slight edge there. And also, you know, what Sleep Dalton showed, if Iowa can own field position in this game or whoever gets that first, you know, the first bump in field position, whoever moves the ball first, is going to have a little bit of advantage in the first quarter because there's not going to be a lot of trickery. This is going to be a close, uh, a close, you know, kind of a conservative game plan until it doesn't have to be. And and I think both teams will, re- will just rely on the defenses and let the offense kind of, you know, not do anything until it has to. And, and unless an organic big play pops open, which you know, I don't know who I'd give advantage to on that. I really like what Iowa State did underneath against Northern Iowa, and mm-hmm. I, I like what Iowa's done vertically against the, its first two opponents. Uh, what time are you coming over on Saturday, Mark? Good question, man. I want to say we're leaving at 7. What What is the general sort of consensus out there? Is everybody freaking out and leaving at 5? I know the lot. Lots open at 5. 5 o'clock. I, I thought, you know what? Uh, good for you, Iowa State. Yep. Move this up. Absolutely. Go, go, you know, go slam your cans above. I'm sure they're mining for bush light over there yeah. in Ames because <laughs> they're going to run out. Um, so I, I, I have fun and party down and I'm leaving at 7 and hoping for the best. Well, why do they call it the flyby on, on 30 yes. in the interstate? It opened today, so it'll be a lot easier uh, getting off 35 and onto 30 as you make your way in Dame. So there's some good news there. With 100,000 people coming to town. Uh, that's the bad news. <laughs> yeah. Mark, great we, stuff. We, we usually sneak in in uh, Nevada, so we usually kind of come ah, that way. But, uh, back I, hopefully that's not closed down. I don't know the answer to that. No. I do know it's going to be a madhouse. Mark, great to talk to you. Thank you. We uh, look forward to catching up with you next week. It's a bye week, but you're not off with us, Mark Morehouse.
All right. Well, you guys take care. Thanks for having me on. Good, Good to talk Mark. to you. Mark Morehouse, Cedar Rapids Gazette. Gazette.com backslash sports. I'm nervous, too. I've got the first shift of the 8 to noon oh, show Saturday. Oh, you do? So you got to get up and you got high school football tomorrow. I do, I do. It'll be a late night and an early morning, and, and we'll persevere. But planning on leaving at 545. Oh, you'll be fine. There'll be that initial slog that'll want to be there right at 5. Uh, are you going to take 69 or are you going to do 35? That that's a question. What do you think? At that time, I'll be arriving touch before six thirty. I think you should be fine. I mean, the folks that want to get there at five, they'll all they'll be ahead they'll be of in. you. What time is the queue open up to get in the pit? As they call? does, I see three thirty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Mike, can you imagine standing for eight hours? Those crazy people will already be there. I guess. Um, I should be good. Right? Yeah, I think you'll be fine. You're going on at what time? Eight twenty. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, something like that. Mm. So yeah. If you can't make it by then, then there's a real nightmare, traffic-wise. Yes, yeah. Uh, all right, tonight, do you have an opinion on the NFL game, the Thursday nighter? It's Ew. the Bucks versus the Panthers. I am Mr. Monday night, not Mr. You Thursday Mr. night. Mr. Monday night. Mr. Monday night got off to a slow start, one and one. Yeah, uh, Yeah. I mean, I don't have an opinion either. No. I'm going to watch it. Any... Jameis Winston's awful. That's he... my opinion on this game going into the game. And Anyways. Cam can't throw the football. And Cam's struggling. What has happened to him? Shoulder Seriously. surgery. Shoulder you lose your shoulder, tough to do. Trent, this was a team that was just, how many years, 2015? They were in the Super Bowl, for crying out loud. And no college games tonight. No, there's none. Tomorrow there's a couple stinkers, though. Carolina Wake. Yeah, and then Kansas Boston College, Ooh. Washington State, Houston. Maybe. And then we lose ESPN. <laughs> you're, you're counting down the minutes, aren't you? It, this can't happen. I, I can't. I get it. Cyhawk week, so this story's kind of been buried. This is a major story developing potentially. Work it out. Uh, Murph and Andy will have things worked out at two. They'll be on from two until four. Uh, Fanatics at four. Cyhawk show tonight. I'm assuming mm-hmm. it's six. Hawkeye Nation Radio at seven. Busy night. It is a busy night here on 1460 KXNO. Blood drive tomorrow. Morning rush will be at Principal Park. So will Trent and I for our shift. Thanks for being with us. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.